It is indeed, and uh, five minutes it is after 8 p.m. Uh, it's uh, the second part of our Thought Leader Thursday segment uh, where we uh, are catching up with Nom Zamozondo, Executive Director at the Social Economic Rights Institute, uh, taking a look at some of the work that uh, she has done as a human rights lawyer, but also uh, the work of her organization, SERI. And uh, last week, uh, many of you would recall, we touched on uh, some of the uh, challenges faced by evictees, uh, in the inner city in particular, some of the uh, struggles for housing and uh, many of the other uh, issues that they've taken up, uh, such as the uh, issues around informal traders and the associations uh, who, rap who represent them. Uh, Nomzamo, good evening to you, Siswam, and uh, welcome once again. Good evening, Ayabonga. Thank you so much for having me. Nomzamo, I want us to pick up, um, I guess, just on the discussion we're having about evictions. And I guess how... Uh, in many instances, uh, you know, the government, uh, for all its commitments uh, to being a torchbearer for the Constitution, often finds itself falling foul of the self-same Constitution. And, and after the conversation we had last week, uh, one of our friends here on Twitter was saying, you know, he felt that our conversation didn't factor in the role of some syndicates who exploit the land hunger, exploit the housing challenges that people have, uh, and effectively organize themselves as syndicates. Uh, to take over land that might have had other uses. Uh, what is your view on that? I mean, it's certainly something that a lot of people have spoken about. Dan Plato speaks about it in the Western Cape, and uh, even some of our authorities here in Gauteng were making mention of something similar. Sure. I think the, the, the one challenge, Ayabonga, is that what then happens is you hear about the syndicate. But as you say, everybody knows there is massive land hunger. So even in, in, even in a case where the land occupation is organized by a syndicate, and I'm putting it in embedded commerce, as the mm. state, your obligation is to engage with the people that, are, that occupy, right? And to say to them, when, when I evict you from here, what's going to happen to you, right? How do I respond to your housing? And then make sure that the, the police, the prosecutorial um, authorities deal with the syndicate. But what we see is we see a scope and down to everyone. Everyone is kicked out mm -hmm. about, everyone is shot at, um, and, and of course, probably that, that, that syndicate, if there is one, is sitting safe in a home somewhere, right? That's mm, probably been funded mm. through, through, through money that's taken from these poor people who the state is not sure. brutalizing. And, and, that, and, and, that's, and that's the complexity. So even if, even if we, let's accept, let's, let's even assume that every land occupation that we've seen has been organized through a criminal syndicate. Let's, just, let's, let's make that assumption. How do you respond to the poor person who's taken their last 2,000 rand and built a shack there, paid 1,000 rand to that, to that syndicate by simply taking everything they own, throwing it away or confiscating it, and then saying, sorry, there's a criminal syndicate involved. Hmm. As I a caring it, state, how do yeah, you respond in yeah. that way? It's, it's interesting that you mentioned that because, you know, um, I guess in my other life, so, you know, some of the, the work I've had an opportunity to interact with um, is around what the International Labour Organization calls Recommendation 204. And uh, the idea of Recommendation 204 is really to try and equalize the kind of protections that informal workers would, would have and informal traders in that space as self-employed people in some cases, uh, some of the rights they can claim. And I think in relation to what you've just raised, one of those rights is the right to have public spaces recognized as their workspaces. Um, and and, and yeah. are you finding similar trends, I, I guess, or similar issues or contentions 
Um, when you take it maybe from the housing issues and you go to the informal traders and the informal workers uh, who sometimes come to you for help? Look, I mean, so uh, unfortunately, we, we are seeing the very same response. So, say, for instance, uh, represented informal traders from Mokwase in the northwest who've been trading for a very, very long time in a piece of land um, that we believe is owned by the municipality, um, but Transnet claims that they own it. And Transnet being an organ of state, takes a point of view that says, we no longer want you on this land. We didn't give you permission to be on the land. And off you go. We don't want to know what's going to happen to you. We don't want to know what's going to happen to your livelihood during that time. And then the municipality comes in and it's sort of like, we couldn't be bothered. Why should we take any steps to protect this, this, uh, the, these informal traders? And it's mm-hmm. only through a court process that they're made to say, wait a minute. First of all, this is, sure. this is, this is public land. What we should be doing is make sure that people can have a livelihood. And if it's not here, mm. we should be finding, finding other public land where we could house them. And sure. we've had to okay. do that Nomsam. in that case in Mokwase. Mm. Yeah, I want us to maybe just pause on this case, Yasem Mokwase, and I want us to come back to it uh, after this brief break. Uh, uh, so let's take this quick spot break, and when we come back, uh, I want to hear how that particular one was resolved, because it does throw up uh, a few issues as well. I'm in conversation with the Executive Director at SERI, uh, uh, Advocate Nomza Mozondo, and we'll continue after this. It is indeed our Thought Leader Thursday segment, 14 minutes after 8 p.m. And we're in conversation with the Executive Director at the Socio-Economic Rights Institute uh, of South Africa, SERI. And uh, that is Nomzamo Zondo. And, and uh, uh, Advocate Zondo, before we went to the break, you were mentioning the example of uh, uh, informal traders uh, in the community of Mohase and some of the issues there around land uh, owned by one of our SOEs. How was that particular issue resolved and uh, what treatment did the courts give to it? So, first of all, our, our approach in, in running the case was to argue that um, tra- um, Transnet, as, as an SOE, had an obligation to make sure these people were able to trade. And when they were mm. not convinced by that, we had to also look into the ownership of the, of the land. And, and, and in fact, the court eventually finds that actually Transnet is not the owner and the municipality is the owner and refused to grant them an eviction. Uh, but in the process of that, we were able to bring in the municipality who could not be bothered but to force them to say, look, as a municipality, you must find a place where these informal shares can trade. And as, as we speak now, we are in the process of engaging with them about providing um, newly renovated um, shops uh, for these informal traders, close to, very close to where they were. But that process wouldn't have happened if, 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 if Transnet had not wanted to act as they did, sort of as, this is not our problem, we want you off our land. And unfortunately, it's a continuing, it's a continuing issue in different municipalities where the state's position is sort of, yes, it might be public land, but we have a right to choose who trades on it. Whereas we have a continuing problem of, of unemployment. We have people who have, who have then said, look, there are public commons, there is public land, there are streets that we mm-hmm. could actually make a living off and support our families and keep getting told that you can't do that here. This idea of public commons, Advocate Zondo, I mean, is a very interesting one for me because, I mean, you know, it might have to do with how definitionally we treat what we deem public, right, uh, and who that public is because uh, uh, the fact that we even have to have informal traders trying to fight for, you know, public spaces to be seen as their workplaces suggests that in some cases even deeming space as public is to also commodify it in certain ways. 
mean, I, I'd like to think that it's, it's, it's the opposite, right? Well, I, I mm. guess you're right to say the approach of our state is to say... Yes, so the, the state commodifies the land and, and you know, yes. claims it in ways that are very exclusionary rather than, you know, there's always this idea that I, if, if we give you access to this land, you're free riding, you don't pay tax, you don't do whatever. When in essence, some of this is common age or even public land. Yeah, but even worse, when we see them dealing with big malls, we see them with dealing with golf courses like we see in the Western Cape. They take a, 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 a very different approach. It kind of says, this is public land, and we want, for instance, to, um, to, to, to make sure that sporting um, is supported and therefore we give access to this land for that purpose. But when it comes to poor people trying to make a living, then they are told, sorry, these are the rules. Um, so there is an understanding of, of public land as owned by the state and not a common good that could be used for, 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 the, for the whole population. And that's really where the struggle is. The, the definition of, of the public commons, exactly as that, that is the public commons that all of us can use. And in a situation where you are, you, you are in the line between destitution and using public land, it, it makes no sense for the answer not to be you should be able to use it to make them, to make a living. Mm-hmm. And, and I mean, from the work that you've done since 2013, are, are you seeing some improvement, if at all, um, you know, in how local authorities in particular are dealing with this? Because I think, for me, there's also the dynamic between all of the big pronouncements that come from national-level leaders, ministers and others, and then also some of the dynamics that play out uh, you know, in areas where the province might have, you know, a concurrent uh, jurisdiction over that particular service or area uh, with a municipality, for instance. So, so the one interesting thing, Ayabonga, is, is the issue about how these public commons are used for in townships, right? Where, mm. So if, if the land is not valued, there's going to be less regulation and less management and, 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 and basically you, you'll have easier access to it. But then if you go into the suburbs, if you go into the, the central business district, then you find that you must have this permit. Um, and it doesn't matter that you, 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 you've, been, you've, been, you've been training there for 20 years, but once the land becomes uh, valued, then it becomes private. And I think in, 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 uh, we've tried to work, we've, we have been working with the South African Local Government Association in trying to bring about a regulation of informal trade that takes into account people's, people's rights and actually trying to make sure that the, actually the, the, the role of the city is not, is, not is not to enforce, it's not to restrict, but it's to facilitate and regulate. And um, Salga actually even produced um, a paper with us which, which looks at um, the, the cases that have been run by organizations like SERI, organizations like the Legal Resources Center, which tell us what are the principles that we have to take into account when we are dealing with, with informal trade. Cases that tell us that actually issues of livelihood, issues of the use of, of access to, pub, to public land, are issues of dignity. That if people can't feed their families, that you, 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 you're, going, you're cutting very deep into the Constitution. You're no longer just dealing with the right to trade, but you're in fact dealing with, the fact that with, with, with their humanity, you're dealing with their dignity. You're dealing with the prime promises of the Constitution, which says at the very least it's always because of the dignity. And being able to put a plate on the table at night is such an issue. 
If you just joined us, uh, I'm in conversation with Nomza Mozondo. She's the uh, advocate, Nomza Mozondo. She's the executive director at the Socioeconomic Rights Institute of South Africa, SERI. And uh, we're having a conversation, I guess, about some of the uh, issues in uh, the uh, litany of cases they've had an opportunity to uh, engage in. And uh, let me know what you think about this. I'd love to hear from you. You can tweet so us I on MetroFMSA. Uh, use the hashtag MetroFMTalk. So- sorry about that. I want us to just take a quick spot break. We'll continue uh, shortly after this. Yeah? Sorry about that, uh, Nomzamo. We had to uh, take a quick spot break, but uh, you wanted to mention something there. No, no, I was, I was, I was just going to mention that so I'm an advocate with a small A. I'm not an advocate with a big A. <laughs> so maybe you need because to explain I, the I, difference because as, as is going to <laughs> maybe you need to explain the difference. No, no, no. I, 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 I'm saying it more advocate as, as a verb. Um, but so I, so in, within our profession, you have attorneys and you have advocates. Um, yes, and yes, they, are, yes. they are different lines. So I'm an attorney. I'm not an advocate. I see. And, uh, so you brief the advocate. I'm an advocate. Mm. <laughs> um, so I'm an advocate, of course, uh, for, for serious clients. I'm an advocate for many South Africans and for people who want to access the full benefits of the Constitution. That's mm. what I mean, advocate with a small A. Hey, because uh, the work that you do is advocacy, but it doesn't necessarily mean that you are, you know, uh, the kind of advocate in the sense of silk, pupillage, that kind of stuff. Yeah, that's it. Okay, all that's right, it. cool. So, so, I mean, I want us to carry on on this path of... Uh, uh, some of the lessons, if any, the, that you feel the state uh, and many of its different arms uh, are, are learning, if any, from this journey of litigation. Because, you know, uh, um, I mean, often when people are taught the law, they, they are told that, you know, the law is a living organism or a living institution, if I can put it like that. Uh, and that, you know, as society develops, the law develops alongside it. And so does case law precedent and all of that stuff. What are some of the learnings, uh, certainly from your very... Uh, uh, I guess a unique position where from an vantage point uh, uh, what are some of the lessons if any that are being learned here look so I mean I'd I, I like to speak to first um, the committee that that we seeks to serve like which is many parts of sure. which is really about how the law can be used as as both um, a sword and a shield um, and I think many communities are saying and, and I think on this issue of land, actually what has happened is that communities have grown tired of um, mobilizing on the political plane, trying to get political parties to support the call for the redistribution of land, and have actually uh, come into the legal arena to say this is, this is a space that we could use it, and we could use the Constitution as a way for us to claim the land that should be given to us um, as part of, of our transition to a political, into, into, into a democracy. Uh, but two, one of the things that I think this last few months have taught all of us is how important rights are. Right? Uh, it, it's taught us why it's imp- why do why we have a constitution. It's taught us that actually we are all at, at a higher risk of 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 of, of basically <sighs> regressing, um, the regressing on the on the right to health on our health infrastructure because we didn't care to make sure that everyone. Uh, that we, we are raising the right to housing. We didn't care to make sure that uh, within our education system, uh, all children have access to a level of education that they could access from their homes or at work, that, that, that the level of education they have could, they could have them assisted and in, 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 in Nomzama, are you still there? 
football and get stuck. So, in so the last sorry, no, I, I, we missed we missed the last minute of what well, maybe last thirty seconds of what you were saying there. Sorry, your oh, your line just dipped for a second. I'm, I'm really I'm, I'm really sorry. We we are we 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 are driving back into Joburg. Um, okay, no, that's so what, what 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 I wanted to say, Ayabonga, is this: in from from March, um, having seen what COVID nineteen required of the state, but also what it required the conditions to be in the country, mm. um, I, I would have wanted the state to learn how important rights are, and also yeah, how important yeah. the realization of rights assists not only rights in the public health but also the public purse. I mean, we've just had, we've had mm-hmm. going to debt because we've ignored the cause of many poor communities to make sure that they have basic services. We've ignored the state of our schools. We've ignored the, uh, our crumbling health system because we knew that it's, it, 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 it's, it's used by people that we don't care about. But now, unfortunately, the, 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 uh, our vulnerability, our weakness, not just for those mm-hmm. who have Shared. the least access, but also those who have the best access to health Shared, and to no. education. Mm-hmm shared now and uh, and and you know Nomzam, as we reach the tail end uh, of our discussion um and and i think it's you know so important that uh, we also check in on this particular score um it might be a bit personal but i mean i think a lot of the work that you do um at a personal level makes you interact with indignity uh with with things that you know uh, are shocking to all of us, maybe normal folk, but I guess it's part and parcel of the course of the work that you do. And things that might have a, maybe a very strong, uh, um, you know, emotional impact on you. How, how do you offload? How do you, how do you deal with all of this? Yes, it's your job, uh, uh, you know, to work in the world of litigation in that space and to allow people to claim these rights. Uh, but certainly, you know, it isn't normal to interact with some of the ghastly, horrid uh, and uh, in you know, uh, uh, in dignifying things that uh, you get to interact with in this work. How, how, do you, how do you navigate that? So, one, I'm, I'm a very uh, sociable person, uh, and I'm able to rely on the people that are around me, firstly within Ferry, uh, my husband, uh, my friends. I'm mm. also a very spiritual person, um, so I rely a lot on God and the Holy Spirit. But also, I'm someone who's also very, I'm, I'm very committed to seeing a South Africa that, that basically we all thought would have pre-94. That the, the South Africa that we, when we all thought when we have victory, this, this is what victory would look like. Mm-hmm. Because of that commitment, um, it, 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 it's what allows me every day to kind of say, I cannot allow, and, and, and I want to mention this, um, I cannot allow Yolanda Janji to stand alone. Uh, because our constitution should have protected her, roads shouldn't be able to victimize them in the way that they are. When I think about the Maragana families, I think, yes, it's hard, but I think it's, it's much harder for them. And for me, I must do what I must to make sure they get justice. And, th- and that drives me every day. Um, of course, uh, there, are, there are times where you just feel like I'm not making any difference. Why am I even mm. still here? And then I'm reminded of one thing, that because of my education, I'm able to opt out so I could go and get a job at a, at a law firm somewhere. I could even start my own law firm and not be in this position. And every day I say, because my dream is to see a different South Africa, I'm going to stick around. Nomzam, hmm. thank you very much, Siswam, for, for uh, sharing your time with us uh, over the last two weeks or so. Um, and we wish you strength in the work that you do. 
Uh, we wish that many South Africans, by the way, who have very deep pockets, who are interested in the strengthening of accountability and the strengthening of our democracy in this country, uh, will not only pay lip service to the cause of uh, your organization, but also put money down. Um, and I hope if some of those people are listening to this conversation, that they can see where they can, how they can assist uh, uh, your organization and some of the organizations you work with. But we'll have to leave it here. And uh, a real pleasure speaking to you. And thank you very much for your time. Thank you so much, Ayabong.